Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by the other host, Scott Melson. Hello, sir. Sub, dude. How's it hanging? Pretty, pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> I've, I've not said that phrase in a very long time. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I wasn't expecting that. Um, uh, no, man. Uh, yeah, life is good. As we were, we were talking before we turned the, before we, before we heated up the mics, we were talking. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little, t- I'm a little tired, a little sleepy, but uh, you know, can't complain. You and me both. Well, hey, um, let's dive right in. Let's dive right in with uh, just get to the news. That's right, everyone. It's time for the news update. Only one story, one news story really to talk about this week. It's mine. This is a different kind of episode today. The big news today is that uh, Let's Fix This and the League of Women Voters of Oklahoma have kind of partnered up and we have officially launched a new initiative called People Not Politicians. People Not Politicians. Right. That has a nice ring to it. Well... I think it resonates with people, mostly not politicians. So that's, much. that's that 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 seems that seems good. And this is not to say that politicians are not people. Clearly, they are. But the intent behind this is that we are advocating for something for the people um, to give some power to the people, and and uh, honestly, take that power away from the the politicians. So this is a this is a big piece of news. This has been something that has been in the works for quite a while. You have been uh, spending days, nights, weekends, long car trips focused on this for at least probably I mean several weeks now for for sure. Um, what what is people not politics? What are what are you doing? I'm I'm taking on I'm taking on the role of uh, interlocutor here today. Ooh. You like that? Yeah, I do. SAT uh, word, right? So uh, we're gonna. This will be a, a different episode in several ways. One, I'm the guest, and you're gonna interview me. Indeed. All right. So yeah. So people, not politicians, I suppose, really started um, back at the end of 2018 or early 2019 um, for us. For for me, um, when let's fix this started, kind of having internal discussions about if we were gonna have a kind of an agenda of issues that we wanted to help educate the public on and maybe even advocate for right and and we really settle on this like slate of issues that are all systemic issues so not not healthcare, not tax policy not criminal justice like those are things that are worthy of debate and we talk about them all the time here on the show but for us as an organization um you know i kind of presented a, a list and, and you and the rest of the board kind of ratified this list of of things that are the you know what I said is the fabric of our democracy or systemic things, uh, and the top of that list was establishing an independent redistricting commission, that is ending gerrymandering, right? And I think, I think on you know as our listeners are well aware, we've just completed a series on gerrymandering. I was say gerrymandering. I feel I feel like I've heard about that recently. <laughs> we feel like we've done a few episodes on it, um, and you know as we were as we were doing that. It was all so serendipitous that this has become an issue that the League of Women Voters nationwide has been championing, 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 championing. Yes, and they've been supporting it. And uh, in fact, uh, they were not able to be with us tonight because uh, Jan Largent, who's the the president of the state chapter of League of Women Voters, and uh, Rebecca Greenhaw, who's the president of the Oklahoma County chapter are both in Washington, D.C., 
um, at a Fair Maps conference. So they're fancy. Actually, they're learning more about it uh, as well. So you know, from conversations that that we've had, and you know, we did this like um, kind of listening tour uh, over the last few months, going around the state, and and honest to God, the issue of gerrymandering or or redistricting came up in every single one of those, which was not expected, right? Because I mean, admittedly, this is something I didn't know much about even a few years ago, and I didn't expect that that many people do. And and I mean, I guess to be fair, most people don't. But the fact that somebody in each of these towns, from Bartlesville to Lawton to Tulsa and Oklahoma City and um, Norman, and that someone brought this up, means that there are people paying attention to this as an issue. Yeah, I'm, and I think that's, I think that's really that's that's super interesting to me that everywhere you know everywhere we've gone this is something that people bring up like hey this is something that we can fix i mean it's something that seems to cross generational boundaries there's young people that are in, in favor of this there's old people that are in favor of it and it's, it crosses partisan boundaries for sure right there's you know there's this is i think one thing that's really important for us as an organization you know this is something we always are is at the forefront of our minds when we're meeting you know as a board and kind of talking about where we're going is to make sure that we're not taking on anything that's that's partisan, right? Like this is not something that is meant to benefit one political party. It's meant to make sure that people are the ones who are in control of what their government does, not that government is in control of who their voters are. Right. 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 I I mean, it's probably a good, a good point to kind of pause and, and refresh our listeners memories, right. About what gerrymandering is. And it's when politicians manipulate their voting districts to give themselves an advantage, right? It's and it's um, racial gerrymandering has been deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. That's well established. The issue of partisan gerrymandering has been coming up lately, and we've talked to some folks about it over the last uh, you know a couple of months. And um, the fact is, when when politicians um, draw district lines for themselves, they inherently draw them in a way that is to their advantage, right? And it has been this way forever. It's as old as the Republic. That's right. Like literally, as old <laughs> as the Republic. It definitely is. And, um, you know, it's a, it's admittedly like a little trick that politicians from both parties do to keep themselves in office. And what we are launching here, People Not Politicians, is, is a ballot initiative to amend the Constitution to the state constitution to create an independent redistricting commission that is a commission of regular folks, regular citizens that are there to take the power away from the politicians, give it to them, and let them draw the lines in a way that is fair and transparent. So I think one thing that's important to get out there is when when we talk about gerrymandering, you know, in our in our interviews, we we talk with folks from California, and we talk with folks from Michigan, and we, you know, talk with Dr. Uh, Gaddy, Keith Gaddy, who'd worked on maps in Wisconsin as well as around the country. We actually hadn't talked that much about what gerrymandering looks like in Oklahoma. What what's been the impact of gerrymandering in, in Oklahoma, and why? Other than the fact that people are concerned about it, which is reason enough by itself. Beyond that, what's been the impact of gerrymandering here and why is this important to address now? Right. I mean, I think, so to answer your first question, the impact of gerrymandering here is that when politicians are more concerned about getting reelected than, and, and drawing districts that virtually ensure that they will be reelected, that means that they are not 
accountable to voters and that they don't have to vote in a way that their constituents want. And thus they ignore like our very real problems, right? Like the issues of, of school funding has been going on for years and years. Yes, they gave teachers a raise. Yes, they gave some more classroom funding. But at the end of the day, the funding level today is still far below what it was 10 years ago. And we have far more students, right? Criminal justice reforms had some um, some strides and they've been working really hard at it, but the legislature still like doesn't hear bills, right? Healthcare is an issue. Um, roads and bridges still crumbling, right? Like if you've driven around recently and hit a pothole, it's tough. And, and there are, there's stuff all of our state that is not being addressed because politicians feel like they don't have to. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that sticks out to me too, about what, what's important about this is as we've talked about with, you know, any number of the folks that we've, that we've interviewed, gerrymandering leads to elections that are kind of inherently less competitive than they should be. Right. And when you have politicians not having to work to get people's votes, I think they tend to be less responsive to constituents needs. Right. Right. And that's why, and that's why you see. And so, and so to me, one of the places that you'd see this impact Oklahoma this impact in Oklahoma is the number of state legislative races we have that are not particularly competitive. Right. I mean, you know, make no mistake, no mistake about it. Oklahoma is a conservative state. I mean, 47% of, of voters are registered Republicans. Um, that's not going to change. And, and if that's, that reflects the electorate, so it shouldn't, right? Like the, the goal of this effort is not to, not to flip seats or it's not even necessarily to make um, districts more competitive, though that very well may happen in some areas and that's fine. That's not a bad thing. Um, but our goal is to, is to just take the power away from politicians, right? To, to eliminate this very obvious conflict of interest that they have where they are writing the rules of the game and give it to people who don't have the same political motivation, the same self um, sustaining or self-promoting um, initiative or uh, reward there and say, no, th- this group of, of nine regular folks is going to draw these districts in a way that is fair, um, that reflects the population of the state, that reflects communities of interest, and they're going to do it in a way that is totally transparent, which I think that's a huge thing that doesn't happen right now, right? And I think we've talked some in our gerrymandering in Oklahoma series that the way in which redistricting happens in Oklahoma right now is that the legislature draws the districts however they want. And so long as the governor signs it, and they always do, that's law. And we don't get any input in that. We don't know, we don't even know who they have in there sometimes um, drawing the lines. We don't know what data sets they're looking at. We don't know if they've laid on Facebook data. Um, and you don't get a say in saying like, oh, no, wait, that's you know, this neighborhood and the neighborhood next to us, we're really close. Like we're really a, a community of interest. They draw them um, and they just put it out there and we're left kind of holding the bag there. And we don't know what their priorities are, right? I mean, we, we can guess, but we right. we don't know like, oh, this District X was drawn this way because of this community of interest or because of this whatever. We, we can only speculate. Well, and... You know, I'll be honest, I've spoken with some former legislators that were involved in redistricting the last go-round, right, in 2011, and they said to me, well, I'll tell you what we didn't consider. We didn't consider communities of interest. We didn't consider if people were getting a fair representation of of their community. 
what they did consider was like how they can get reelected. How yeah, who had to drive the farthest for FFA meetings or or does um do they have to drive more than 50 miles to the state capital because if so then they get per diem, right? And so people making sure that it's just 54 miles, something like that. I'm going to hold my tongue there. Um so Andy, why why do you feel like an IR uh, an independent redistricting commission an IRC why is that the solution that's best for Oklahoma? Well, cuz it's the only way to to keep them out of it, right? So I I've, I've joked that this is a complicated solution to a simple problem. The simple problem is politicians gerrymandering districts for their personal gain and ignoring our real our real problems in the state. The solution is developing a policy that will withstand the test of time that keeps the legislature and the executive branch out of it, um, that puts that you know vests that power in a nonpartisan or a or you could say like an omnipartisan, right? Like we've designed it so that it will represent all parties equally, um, R D I whatever, um, and to keep that power away, so there's not this obvious conflict of interest, right? And it's funny to me, like, you know, Scott, you're a physician. And so you're not going to, you know, you have certain patients you can't see because it would be a conflict of interest, right? Um, as a therapist for me, like, I can't see family and friends, that would be a conflict of interest or a dual relationship is what we would call it. Um, for attorneys, you know, they can't work with certain clients if they have another client. For marketing, public relations, they can't have like, two car companies, right? Like you can only kind of have one of each set. Anyone who's watched like Mad Men has like learned this, right? And so it's just bonkers to me. Like I remember when I learned the fact that, that we do redistricting and it's just up to the legislature to draw the lines themselves. I think, you know, maybe this made sense a hundred years ago when they had, well, way fewer people spread out over a lot larger area and just paper maps, right? So they had to draw lines that kind of made sense based on rivers and lakes and towns. But about 20 years ago, computers caught up to stuff. And now, I mean, especially after the last presidential election with all the Cambridge Analytica stuff, state legislatures can buy Facebook data. They can buy voter files and they can put it all into a big system and, you know, crunch the numbers and like gerrymandered down to the street level, to the house level. Yeah, that's one of the things I think that really, you know, when I've talked about this with folks and there's, you know, I've talked and I've talked with folks who, who it's not that they think that, it's not that they think that partisan gerrymandering is fine, but folks that, that don't, that don't think there needs to be a constitutional or, leg, or legislative remedy because they say, you know, well, this has gone on, this is so old, it's been, it's been, it's it's part of the fabric of the country. It's part of the way things work, and my answer to that is yes. But in you know when uh, when uh, Gary what's his name from you know from Massachusetts in like seventeen ninety five, the guy that gerrymandered Elbridge Gary, Elbridge Gary, yeah, you know when that district was drawn, you didn't have a like computer with an eight core processor and like sixty four you know megs of. Uh, megabytes of memory able to like spit out 15,000 different maps and have the precision that you have 
now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I mean, it just the, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't possible. The software they have now, I mean, they, it does it in real time, so it aggregates all the data, and then you can like literally move your your cursor, and it and it does it. And in fact, if you to our listeners, if you haven't done this already, um, on our gerrymandering Oklahoma blog post that came up um, a couple of weeks ago, at the it has all four of the gerrymandering episodes, and then at the end. There's a link to that gerrymandering or the redistricting game you can do online. It's it's a fictitious. It's very simple. It's like four districts. You should totally do it. It's you have to do it on a, on a desktop, so you can't do it on your phone or a tablet. But you have to do a laptop or desktop. It's a browser based game, but it's real eye opening to see. And it's basically you know a very simple version where you can you can you use your mouse and you draw the line and it recalculates you know um, like race groups. Um, partisan standing and something else, I think. Um, but it kind of calculates it all in real time. And it's what really happens in redistricting is just like the game, but with way more data and with obviously higher stakes. So you, you mentioned, and, and I'm glad it's a, it's a perfect lead into my next question. You said this is a complicated solution to a simple problem. What, what does this look like for Oklahoma? You know, we, we talked last time when we talked with Katie Faye from Michigan, mm-hmm. you know, we said there's 14 states that have done IRCs. They all do it differently. Mm-hmm. What is the, what's the Oklahoma process going to look like? So our, I think it's important to know that I believe ours will be the first one that is a, a truly independent, um, kind of completely independent from any, from the legislative branch and from the executive branch. So there's no, no commissioners that are appointed by anybody. Um, it, it uses the judiciary, which is, that's kind of a best practice, right? So we talked to the Brennan Center for Justice. Um, they are the experts on redistricting in the country. Um, we talked to them a whole lot. We talked to um, you know, the Campaign Legal Center and some other people. We've, you know, had some really smart attorneys. We've had multiple attorneys, like, look at this. Um, we've worked with Republicans and Democrats to kind of put this together in independence, um, to put this together and the way it kind of works is that the um, the chief justice appoints a panel of some retired justices. Um, they're they're not appointed; they're actually kind of drawn at random um, of out of the pool of all the justices that are interested, and then they open applications. Right. So, let's say ten thousand people apply. That would be tremendous, right? Um, if if ten thousand people applied, these three retired judges. Or justices review those applications and sort them and kind of rank them and put the top 20, um, the top 20 applicants from the state's largest party into one bucket, the top 20 from the next largest party into another bucket, and then the top 20 from no party or neither of those parties into a third bucket. So, I mean, right now it's Republicans, Democrats, and independents, right? So those... Would libertarians go in the third bucket? They would because they're not in the two largest parties. There's 9,000-something registered yeah. libertarians right now. But, you know, we try to write the policy so that in 100 years, who knows? It could be like the the birds and the elephants and the, you know, raccoon party. I don't know. Maybe the Whigs will make a comeback. The Whigs. There you go. Could be anything. The Dixiecrats. Let's hope not. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, so, anyway... Those so there's 20 in each each bucket, and the justices basically draw out um, by random selection, like two from each bucket. That makes six, six commissioners, and then those six commissioners go back in 
and they pick one more from each bucket intentionally. So there is, it's not a pointing, but they are selecting them with the explicit instructions to do so in a way that balances the commission for geography, for race, for ethnicity, for gender, that kind of thing. So we don't, because we have to have someone from every congressional district, but we don't want, you know, nine white guys, right? Like we need it to be reflective of, of our state. And then once that's formed, it's a nine person commission that is basically comprised of three Republicans, three Democrats, and three independents or libertarians. They then go about the business of redistricting. And that looks like traveling the state, holding town hall meetings, talking to people, studying previous maps, right? Talking to smart people, having having guest speakers come in to inform them. They can hire consultants. They have to get the files, get the um, some, you know, map making staff, some GIS staff, and they sit down to to draw to draw the maps. The one thing they cannot consider, and this is important to know, is they cannot consider where the incumbent lives, which is certainly different than how it's done now. So will they be paid for this? Is this a volunteer position? Like how does this work? Sure, they get paid. They um uh, I will if memory serves and I've not slept a lot the last few nights, but I they receive a per diem that's the same per diem as the legislature mm-hmm. receives. This isn't a full-time job, right? They're not um they're not working. It's a lot of work though. It's a lot of work. It's a it's a lot of like kind of behind the scenes um data gathering and then the actual process of drawing the maps and stuff is thanks to computers is pretty straightforward. Yeah. And the other thing that I mentioned earlier that I want to reiterate is that everything about this is transparent. So unlike the legislature, the Independent Redistricting Commission would be subject to the Open Records Act and Open Meetings Act. So everything has to happen where the public can attend. All the data is made public. Everyone gets to see that. Um, And that is a huge step um, in a state that is arguably one of the least transparent states. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Uh, I, uh, I'm a state legislator. I just finished my, uh, my 12 years. Uh, my last four years, I was speaker of the house. I am now retired. I'm term limited out. So I'm going back to private life and, uh, man, being, being one of the members on the, uh, independent redistricting commission seems like a pretty solid gig for me to carry forward my passion for public service. Uh, <laughs> Can I be on the commission? You cannot. What? Uh, yeah. So that was another important caveat is that anyone who is in um, an elected office that's a partisan office, right? So any kind of elected, uh, partisan elected official, anyone who has been a staffer in the legislature, anyone's been a staffer for a one of the political parties and lobbyists, regardless of anyone who's been a registered lobbyist, um, for the past five years cannot apply, nor can someone apply if a member of their immediate family has been any of those things, right? So so no legislators, no lobbyists, no party staffers, no legislative staffers, or their immediate families. In the words of Squints from the fantastic mid-90s movie The Sandlot, is that forever? No, it's just, just for five years. And five so years. That's an important distinction, too, because... Um, you know, some opposition, uh, Michigan has a similar clause, right? I mean, it makes, first of all, it just makes sense, right? Like you don't want legislators who are just in office rolling out and getting to draw lines right away. Um, 
because we can't ensure they would do it in a in a fair and transparent way. Um, the same is the same reason that the ethics commission has attempted to put in a cooling off period, right? Like a, a two year kind of um, a block on former legislators becoming lobbyists, right? Is if for nothing else than for appearances. Um, so ours is five because this it's a you know, we redistrict every ten years. This is a big deal. Also, those who are commissioners. So even if you've never been elected office, so Scott, you've never been in a partisan elected office, you would be eligible to be a commissioner. Um, whether or not you get picked is a different story, but you would be eligible to apply. Let's say you are a commissioner. Um, you could not then run for a, an elected office, a partisan elected office for five years or maybe it's four years after that um, because we don't want people drawing districts and then running for those districts immediately. What's a district that I could win? Hmm. <laughs> this one... This one looks tasty. Let's make sure I include my house in this district, right? Very cool. Well, so as it as it turns out, um, this is not the only redistricting work that is going on right now. Uh, Speaker McCall, about two, three weeks ago, announced uh, that he was forming a bipartisan working group to prepare for redistricting. The uh, Senate appointed some members to that, to their group this week. Uh, very, very, lots of lots of great talk about bipartisanship and transparency and we're going to make sure that this all is just great how do you feel like what we've seen come from the legislature here in the last month compares to this plan for drawing districts sure so i think um you know it's important to distinguish that the house and senate plans are very different they were very different the last time they did this as well um the house uh has said what they're doing They've announced what they they have stated what they intend to do. They haven't actually done anything yet. So they, as of this recording, they've announced that they're going to form a committee, but I don't believe they've announced who's on that committee. They've just kind of said, we're going to do this, and we're going to do some town halls about it. But at the end of the day, it's still the legislators drawing the lines, right? They can, I mean, honestly, politicians are great about saying, we're going to listen to the people, and then totally disregarding whatever the people said, right? Yes, sir. And the same thing with the Senate. Uh, I mean, arguably, the Senate has, um, they announced uh, that the the two people who are going to chair their redistricting committee, it's two Republicans, although to be fair, the legislature, the Senate is like 76% yeah. <laughs> a yeah. Republican. Um, and they've also hired a, a consultant. That consultant was um, Lieutenant Governor Todd Lamb's chief of staff, and he ran Lamb's failed gubernatorial bid right his campaign and Oops. so and so this is um someone oh i don't know him personally but he is someone who is distinctly partisan right and he's gonna be the one that's consulting on this because as we said they fully intend to gerrymander right like that's that is the rules as they know them we are seeking to change the rules to make them more fair so i'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot here and uh, so and and as i'm you know as i'm kind of thinking through this and thinking what what might be some of the main um, you know opposition or ob- objections to this and I, w- I don't want want your take on what the answer to this is so I'm hearing about this for the first time and I say Andy this is this is a partisan this is a partisan deal mm. you know I didn't hear anybody I didn't hear anybody bitching about gerrymandering in uh, you know 1992 when the Democrats had controlled the state legislature for 80 freaking years and they gerrymandered the hell out of those districts 
Where where were you then saying that we needed some independent redistricting commission? You're just wanting to do this because the Republicans have been in control now, and they redistricted the way they wanted to in 2010, uh, and now you're trying to take it away because you don't like it. This is a good role play. First of all, I would say in 1992, I was in sixth grade, and I didn't. I lived in Minnesota, and I didn't care about politics. Um, <laughs> but the other part, you, you, what you said is true. The Democrats did gerrymander the hell out of it for like 80 or 100 years, right? Also, the Republicans tried to pass laws to implement an independent commission way back then. What? Because they were the minority. No. Yes, and then it, now that it, you know it flipped in the mid two thousands, say it ain't so. So now the Democrats are the in the minority. They've tried to pass independent commissions. Those bills, no one, the majority party just doesn't hear those bills. So, of course, the minority party, regardless of who it is, wants to pass it. So this does give us the the great like example that. At one point or another, both parties have wanted this when they would stand to gain from it. And the thing I'll say is, like, this isn't a partisan issue. This is a, a power issue, right? Yeah. It's always who doesn't have power wants this. And right now, it's the people, man. Like, it is it is the politicians in power trying to keep their power. Nobody gives up their power willingly. and and But that's not the way that we should run our state. Right, I think that's so important to emphasize. Like, I, I, this, this can't, to me, this cannot be said enough. In every state that has done this, the party in power who holds the majority is opposed, and the minority is in favor. Every single one, and every single state, both parties have gerrymandered any time they've been in control for re- for redistricting. Right. So, like, to me, that to me, like exactly what you said, that is the comeback for like why this isn't a partisan issue. The point of this is not to give one party or another more seats. The point is to make sure that people are represented by by politicians who a didn't pick their voters and b best represent the set of communities and um y- y- the the best represent the district in which they live, right? Like that's to me that's what it's about. Is that Yes, I mean this this process is designed to generate a truly independent commission removed from partisan politics, right? And that it's, we have to draw lines. We have to redraw lines, as we've heard in this series, um, to reflect population changes, right? Well, we know that... And, and, it's, and it's a vital process. It is really important to remember that, right? This is not a situation where, like, you can just draw the lines and say that's what they are and they stay that way forever. You have to redraw the lines. Right. And our constitution says you do that every 10 years with the census. And so how do you do that in a way that makes sure that people are most accurately and fairly represented? Right. And, you know, the other thing that people suggest is like, well, why don't we just have computers draw them then? Like, and just take people out of it entirely, which is a totally valid thought. And that's where I went to first, you know, when we first started kind of researching this last year, the, the answer is you need both, right? Like you can definitely leverage the power of computers to make this a lot easier, but computers don't always know what communities of interest are, right? Because it may not be apparent based on just data. Like it takes people going to talk to people and then having the, the political will or just the will if we take politics out of it, just the will to draw those lines in a way that is reflective and has a heart and compassion for people, right? Like we we have to conform to federal law. So we've got to draw districts of equal population size. We have to uh, 
um, comply with the Voting Rights Act and make sure that um, you know minority voters aren't um, are gerrymandered out of <laughs> out of having a voice. Um, but we also have to draw it in a way that reflects all the communities of interest um, to the extent possible. I mean, there's only so much you can do, um, but to the extent possible, and to just to do it in a way that is transparent, right? And you know, there's let's say that the House comes back and they really do establish a bipartisan commission and they do all these tours and they draw good maps. Okay, well, great. Like we got lucky, right? And they would probably do that right now because they know the heat is on them, right? Going back in history, neither the House nor the Senate ever announced any kind of redistricting information this early in the process. They really? <laughs> I wonder... I wonder what could have prompted it this year. They almost certainly are aware of this, that we've been working on this and, uh, and have went ahead to kind of get out in front of it. And so you mean, this is like the bipartisan healthcare working group, right? That's right. (laughs) Well, that's funny. I mean, this is a very, we've, so we've set this precedent in our state, right? Where the legislature refused to hear medical marijuana and the people passed it at the ballot. And so then they're like, okay, well now we got to talk about it. So they had this working group and they're all like, raw, raw, look at the things we did. And then they finally started, they got a little bit better. They started talking about healthcare, right? But they did not pass anything. Didn't even, did they even hear those bills about Medicaid expansion? No. Okay, so talked about it, never heard the bill. And now it, the people are getting on the ballot, right? Um, and we expect to hear, I think, in the next couple of weeks that, that they got the signatures. And um, it, that means it'll very likely be on the ballot, right? And likewise with this, again, this is this bill, this or this type of commission has been proposed by both parties almost every decade for the last like 40 years, but it hasn't passed because the other party didn't want it to happen at that time. And so, okay, well, they're clear they're not going to do it. It'd be way easier to go through the legislature, but if they're not going to do the work, then it's up to us, the people, to get this done. So, you know, you mentioned at the outset that this is a, a joint effort, you know, let's fix this. League of Women Voters have come together to form this, you know, people, not politicians, Right. right. Um, so is let's fix this going away? Does this, uh, does this mean I'm, am I, am I out of a job? Do I have to, do I, did, can I, did do you I have, have to, a job in the first place? Do I have to stop introducing myself as Mr. Vice President? <laughs> well, your term is up next year, I think. Ooh, we got to review that. Ah. Uh, but no, let's. Check the bylaws. Yeah, let's fix this does not go away. And, and to be clear, this people, not politicians is, a, a let's say it's a new initiative that is born out of these other organizations, but it is itself a separate it's a 501c4 it's a separate entity entirely with its own bank accounts and all that stuff um and so we let's fix this remains in fact we have a new intern coming on board um this semester maybe two um and we will be able to like ramp up some of what we do right because up till now let's fix this has been like a side passion project or a side hustle right that that all of us have kind of dedicated time and energy to and and while my uh, a, a huge chunk of my time will be dedicated to this campaign, um, it's all in the same kind of vein, and so it helps. Um, I've got some time in an office to like sit and and get some interns, and if we can get additional funding for let's fix this, you know, like additional donations, then maybe we can actually hire some full time staff um, to continue the work that's very important that we've been doing, right? Of doing uh, doing voter education, civic engagement. Um, you and I've um, kind of been talking through what our plan is for the rest of this year and then then we'll get into session so i expect that we will talk about redistricting like as an, an education component but 
Um, as a as a five hundred one c three, we won't really be like advocating for it. We'll just be kind of educating about it um, and everything else that happens. We still want like we will still do the podcast every week about whatever is happening at the legislature. Um, if we have news, I'll I guess I'll maybe I'll make some new music that's just for redistricting <laughs> and uh, the sound of a marker on a board or something and um, and give updates. But uh, no, it very much stays where it's at. So as you as you mentioned, just to reiterate, this is a this is a ballot initiative. This is a campaign. Your official title is what? Uh, I guess campaign manager. Campaign manager. So, what's uh, campaigns involve lots of things. They involve like, you know, they involve like events, and they involve you know petitions, and they involve donations and fundraisers and. What like what's next for the campaign and like how do people become involved and support this, assuming that's what they want to do, which you guys all want to do because you're listening to this podcast and you're you're fixers and this is like I'm not gonna say it's the ultimate fix, but it's definitely like a first step to I'll, the ultimate fix. I mean, I'll say this is one of the the top three things that would change our democracy for the better, like the most substantial, right? The second hundred percent agree, and one of the top two. I'm not sure which is. One and two, but something like open primaries or ranked choice voting, I think, is the other thing, right? And then like automatic voter registration are the three that I think are the biggest. Um, and the data says that's probably true. Um, so what's next for the campaign is, yes, we desperately need people. Like we need listeners. We I need your help. Here's what I need you to do. Go to peoplenotpoliticians.com and sign up, right? And when you sign up, you can choose if you want to host a house party, right? And you can have me come to your house and invite your friends over and I'll talk about this for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. You can buy pizza, you know, maybe we can hang out for a little bit. I'm happy to answer questions. Um, we need to get the word out because most people don't know about redistricting and people don't even know that we do it. So go on there, sign up to, to do that or to help host an event like a town hall in your, in your neck of the woods, right? So, if you're in Oklahoma City or Tulsa, that's great. If you're in a rural area, even better because people there don't, I think, often don't have the same opportunities to engage in the political process that that maybe folks in the cities do. Um, if you've got friends or family in rural areas, tell them, get the word out, um, help share stuff on social media, um, help um, help connect us, and we need volunteers. So not just not just volunteers for like helping us get the word out, but we need you to sign up. Um, for when we start collecting signatures in a few months. Um, we need your help in collecting those signatures because we need 178,000 of them. So I need all of your signatures and your nearest 178,000 friends, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and then of course, donations. Like, we need we need help. This campaigns are not cheap. Um, they're certainly not free. And we we need money to, um, to help, you know, make yard signs and to run Facebook ads and to <laughs> travel the States to like get the word out about this. Um, and so any amount helps even $5 honestly is a huge deal. This is a truly a grassroots campaign and it's going to take all the roots of all the grass we've got in this state to make this happen. Um, unlike Medicaid expansion that has big groups like the hospital association and stuff behind them um, to help out, we don't have like a natural, you know, constituency base, right? Like this isn't just a healthcare thing. This is a people thing. And and we need all the people we can get. So um, people, not politicians.com, um, sign up 
and uh, and get some updates and you know throw us a few bones um, and help us come out and we'll, we can make this happen. Well, my guest this week was uh, Andy Moore, executive director of Let's Fix This and campaign manager of People Not Politicians. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. <laughs> um, as always, uh, don't forget to rate and share. Let's pod this on, uh, on social media and on iTunes or whatever it's called now, Apple Podcasts. Um, this is a production of Scott and I. He is at SC Melson on Twitter, and I'm at Andy OKC. You can follow the organization at Let's Fix This OK on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. Or just go to our website, facebook.com. Excuse me. Our website is Let's Fix This OK.org. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash Let's Fix This OK. Our music is provided by the Sugar Free All Stars, and we are a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage the government. We encourage you to get involved any way you can. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week.